Well, welcome everybody to a special edition of Inside Curling on this Friday, the Friday of the Masters just before the weekend. Kevin is in Oakville where the event is taking place and he's going to give us his reaction to all of that and so is Warren. And Kevin sat down with Anna Hasselborg and Agnes Nockenhauer and boy, are they outspoken about a bunch of rules that the WCF is going to try and experiment with. Uh, I love them. They're funny, they're engaging uh, and they're not shy. A great interview that he did. So that all coming up next. Last Rock, eighth end, up by two. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm white. I don't think you are either. Oh, oh. it's clean. Oh, don't chill oh. it, Ben. Don't chill. Line's really good. Line's right on the button, guys. Right here, Last guys. stone for Kevin Martin. They want it on the button. The sweepers are watching it. Fans are on their feet. Kevin Martin goes out as a champion. Cuts him to one. He will win his final Grand Slam, taking the Players' Championship. Talk about putting an exclamation mark at the end of a career. All he had to do was cut him down. Kevin Martin can celebrate. He is a champion. Uh, it's the first event of the Grand Slam. It's the Masters in uh, Oakville, uh, so we've got everyone on. We've got everyone on here early. This is early, Warren. You got me up early, but it's good. Uh, Kevin is down there. Uh, Inside Curling has started our new season last week, uh, and we'd like to thank uh, a bunch of our sponsors. I, Kev, I never thought that anyone would sponsor me doing anything, <laughs> but we do, uh, and it's fantastic. It's brought to you by. Sports Interaction, Coyote Tractors, Goldline Equipment, and uh, Nestle Boost and Meridian. Boy, it was great watching it last night, uh, Kevin. I watched the great Kui uh, Gushu uh, draw. That was fantastic. You're down there. It's the first event. Uh, great to have curling underway. What's your take on everything going down so far? It's so good, Jimmy, to be back into an arena with uh, fans. Um, I know that there haven't been many fans yet on the weekend, though it's uh, it's it's really good. Um there's a little bit of apprehension, I think, on, on the fans' point of view of coming into the building. And, and uh, you know, it's just kind of an odd... It, it, can you imagine going into a building to watch the sport you really enjoy, but it's kind of weird? And uh, But from the players' point, point and from us, the uh, broadcasters, oh, it's so nice to be back in a building with live curling. And, and it's just fun. And you can see the energy level on the players, how much they're enjoying it. So, uh, so far, it's been excellent. We uh, had a, a really rainy day here, so we had humidity and frost on the ice yesterday. But it's a beautiful sunny day here today, so that should clear up nicely. And what about the format, Kevin? I'm familiar with a knockout. I'm familiar with double round knockout. But a triple round knockout, oh my God, you got to curl a lot. Yeah, so triple knockout goes uh, back. That's kind of how the, the original uh, Bonspiel circuit ran, a 32-team triple. This is actually a 16-team triple, and it's a kind of a cool draw. It's basically you win three before you lose three. So if you win three in a row, then you're in, like uh, Brad Gushu and Bruce Mowat last night. And then three teams will come out of the B side, and if you lose a game in B, you drop to C, and three come out of C. And of course, if you uh, if you lose a C game, it's see you later. <laughs> I like to ring to that. You lose a C game, see you later. Uh, your um, uh, son, uh, Karak, and the Botcher team 
I watched the I watched the highlights of that. They showed the the feature game was Cooey and Gushu. Uh, they give up they give up the big end there, Kev. With uh, I think they gave up four. Uh, Botcher kind of didn't curl well in that end. Uh, are they okay, Kev? Team Botcher? Yeah, actually, they got out to an early lead. They're playing really, really well. And actually, the trouble the trouble started in four. They were tied up with Hammer playing four. And uh, actually, they missed three rocks in a row. But Brendan made a beauty to get a to get one. Uh, so they're one up playing five. Unfortunately, same thing. Darren missed his first and his second. Then Brendan missed his first. So, uh, uh, against somebody like uh, like Bruce Mowat, um, yeah, uh, that didn't go very well. They <laughs> gave up four. So, uh, actually played very well until two ends in a row that didn't go so well. Who should we be watching for, Kev, outside of the, the obvious big names that we've seen curling at, at the high level and curling so well over the last couple of years? Who's some of the new people we should watch for? Team White uh, out of uh, Scotland. Very young team, but extremely good on the men's side. Uh, Avrana out of uh, out of uh, Sweden on the ladies' side. I, I'm very young team again. Sweden, they just have they have quite a pipeline going of, of very talented young people coming up. Uh, and of course, Anna Hasselborg is very young, but everybody knows her. But there's another crop coming up behind her. So, so for a very long time, they're they're going to be strong. And then don't forget about the three South Korean teams: Unchi Jim. Minji Kim and Unjun Kim. All three teams are fantastic, all young. So, you know, it's it's an exciting time for our sport. There's just such a depth of talent. Well, when you played, Kev, uh, people can't appreciate if you're the top curling team in the world like you were. Everybody is coming at you all the time, aren't they? Always going after the big dog. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's, that's the fun part of sport because, you know, you, you get to the top uh, where, say, Brad Gushu is right now or... or and then everybody's running at him for years and years and years. Bruce Mellis just getting there. Like, I don't think there's any question where they're going to be. But they haven't really had everybody running at him yet. So it'll be fun over the next while to see that exactly happen where teams start to take a run. And can they handle that? We'll see. Kevin, how would you like to skip Ben Hebert and Johnny Moe on the same team? There must, there must be. There's got to be something exciting going on there with these two uh, on the same squad. I, I watched them curl last night and... You, you kind of look up going out. These two guys, you know, two of the most outspoken guys in curling on the same squad. That would be interesting, Kev, wouldn't it, to skip those guys? Uh, it, it certainly was. <laughs> for about eight years, it was tricky. But, you know, uh, Mark Kennedy in the middle uh, for all those years helped uh, as kind of a balancing force between the two. And that's, why I guess, BJ's job now. And, and uh, it's not an easy job to try to keep John uh, going in a straight line. It, it's not easy. And... Uh, you know, but if, for a lot of years, we were able to do it. It's just tough to, yeah, keep John kind of a little bit quieter. He uh, tends to talk a lot, and uh, the thinking time, it's, there's not enough time for that. Like uh, John, John would talk for 15 minutes per shot if he could. Warren, you get up yesterday uh, or this week, and you flip the TV on, and there's live curling. Uh, when, you watch, when you watch a draw, Warren, what, do you, what are you watching for? Well, I'm watching the game, Jim, and I'm looking at the conditions, and I'm 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 listening to what players are saying and seeing if there's anything um, a little different that might be happening. And I guess that's one of the questions I was going to ask Kevin here in a minute. But I'd first like to I think we should talk about who is actually doing well at the moment. We've got four teams that have qualified 
two in the men's, two in the women's. In the women's side, it would be sort of as expected. Holman is there along with Terenzoni. But I thought the game between Holman and Peterson last night was, again, one of those games where Peterson was kind of in control and let it slip a bit. But that U.S. team uh, is going to be a huge contender this year, and uh, I think they're going to be strong. They, they've been together a long time, and they made that switch a couple of years ago when Nina Roth was off with a pregnancy, and... Tap of the Peterson starts skipping, and that seems to be their their secret moment. Uh, they got to the finals of the game of the Spiel in Calgary, and uh, I think they've done very well here. And of course, on the men's side, you've got Moat has already qualified along with Gushu, and again, Moat has to be the team to watch this year. I think those guys are just uh, super strong, and uh, from what I've seen them, not a, not a lot yet. This uh, uh, Slam event, they've played fairly well, and I think the other teams that. Uh, are probably going to be right there because of them being in the qualifying games. It's Cooey and Botcher. They both stumbled a bit in the games last night, but uh, I think they're going to be there in the end. But I wanted to ask Kevin a question about the conditions. And we've heard a lot uh, recently about the rocks being, quote, the term is usually too lively. That is a lot of movement of stones once they hit. These are red Trevor stones that are being used there, which uh, normally they have pretty good action. They move pretty fast, but things seem to not be happening that way in this event. I'm going to say to Kevin, I'm assuming you had some fairly challenging pro- frost going on there at the moment. I think Gushu said those rocks were, were sandpapered uh, probably just yesterday, which I found rather strange. Do you know the, the deal on that, Kevin? Yes, yeah, so they, they sanded them uh, before yesterday. Yes, the night before. Uh, the game prior, uh, they are running quite straight. And so um, they ended up dishing the ice, so kind of making it so that it would curl to the outside. And you actually saw saw that with uh, Gushu was playing a double off the wall early in the game last night against Kui and didn't curl enough, and he ended up hitting it too thin. And uh, it didn't actually curl any. I was just standing right behind the sheet. Um, and that's because it was dished. It was an inside-out double, and it just ran dead straight because uh, the ice was made that way because the rocks were straight. So then they decided to sand them mid, mid-event, mid which is always tricky because then they change a little bit. Drives the curlers crazy a little bit, but at least, you know, started to curl. But unfortunately, the ice was still dished. So now, um, actually in our game, when we were covering uh, Rachel Holman against uh, Tabitha Peterson, uh, Rachel actually had a fairly simple freeze in, I think it was the sixth end. And she said, I, I don't know, I don't think we can get a rock on the center line. The more ice you take, the higher up the dish you get, the more it comes off the dish. So you couldn't get a rock on the center line. So you end up playing a, a hit instead of uh, playing the freeze, which was kind of an obvious call. But she was right. If you can't make it, why play it? So that's kind of what's going on here. There's also, uh, yesterday, there was a lot of uh, frost because of the extreme humidity. It was a very rainy day here. But now looking outside today, it's a beautiful sunny day. So that should get rid of the, the frost problem. So from that point of view, the rocks are new, and uh, curling stones are like wine. They get better with age, and brand new ones are, are never really, really good. They need to break in a little bit, and after about five, ten years of use, they get real good. So I'm, I'm not sure why the Grand Slams have new rocks. I've always questioned that, but, but they're pretty good. Like It's certainly not affecting you know the cream rising to the top and who's going to win or lose. We should maybe also mention that the stones, of course, are red Trevors, but they're blue hone Alice Craig inserts, I would assume, which is uh, pretty consistent with, with all rocks these days. So you kind of got two things happening. You got that hard blue hone that's uh, well known and is probably the best rock for, for a curling surface. And then you've got the outer shell, which is the red Trevor. Would I be correct on that? Yeah, the, the, the blue hone Elsa Craig, they, 
they have almost zero porosity, which means that in frosty conditions and, and humid conditions, they don't suck water up and therefore they don't pit. Whereas you had any other, uh, any other surface, the rocks would pit at different rates depending on the stone density. So definitely the, you know, a great running surface, no question. It's just when, when they come off the machines, when they're being built, you know, they get better after a little while of running, after just kind of, kind of like natural erosion uh, when they're running on the, on the surface. And so over time, the rocks get a little bit better. And that's what the curlers love, of course, is to have the uh, rocks uh, more matched and, uh, and not quite that sharp edge that you heard uh, Brad Gushu mention during the game last night, where if the, rock, if the ice gets a little kind of soft or patchy, because especially with the high humidity of yesterday here, then the teeth start to show on the stones. And, and that's when you get these odd things happening where all of a sudden rocks die. Uh, Kevin Cooey had a draw for two early in the game and hogged it. Um, that's not common. Another question, Kevin. So there's a rule being played with at this event, a little bit of variation from the norm. And that's what's happening is in the eighth end and extra ends, the no tick rule is in effect. So if a rock is put in place that's touching any portion of the center line from the hog line to the hack to the house, uh, it can't be ticked. Uh, that's been played a bit. What's your feel on that so far of what you've seen? It's been interesting, yeah, in both uh, Jennifer Jones against uh, uh, Yoshimura. Uh, she ended up stealing coming home, lots of rocks in play, and actually uh, Yoshimura didn't have much play, actually, on her last one, and uh, Rachel Holman uh, stole against Tabitha Peterson coming home, but Rachel made a tremendous freeze on her first one, otherwise she wouldn't have won, so you can't really even comment on that one being the center line tick because what a shot. Uh, one thing that happened last night in the Botcher uh, Bruce Maud game is uh, Botcher's three down going home with hammer, but a lot of the teams now are actually ticking rocks, the corner guards into the house, deep in the rings. You throw the corner guard, they come around, tap it out, and then you can't get a three. So Botcher threw two center guards on the center line with hammer, and Team Mowat couldn't tick them. So it actually, he was set up for a three early in the end, but then, of course, uh, I think it was Grant Hardy made a triple. <laughs> you know, these guys are crazy how good they are, but and ended up not being able to win. But interesting strategy. He used the double center guard on center line with hammer to get the two guards out front. Very interesting. Uh, lots of good stuff uh, to talk about. We want, we want to get to this interview. Uh, you've, got, you've got full days there, Kevin, uh, ahead of you. Uh, and you sat down with Anna Hasselborg and Agnes uh, Nockenhauer. I thought you were the most outspoken person in the world, Kevin. But these girls have got lots to say about these new rules. And they're fun, they're engaging, they're super competitive, and uh, they, they were really interesting, uh, what, what they did have to say in the, uh, about these three rule changes that the WCF is trying to do. But if they had their way, the WCF is not doing any of it at all. So check this out. This interview that you did, Kevin, with Anna Hasselborg and Agnes Nockenhauer. Thank you very much, you guys, for coming in here and talking for a little while after getting... Uh all the photos and all the media stuff and all the things that are happening today before the Grand Slam, so I appreciate it. One thing I want to talk about, Anna, you first, is uh, you're really trying to do something this year with the Olympic Games. Annette Norberg, 
won uh, back-to-back gold medals in the same discipline. Caitlin Laws won two in two different disciplines. That's it. Uh, I'd love to hear from behind your eyes the opportunity to try to win back-to-back gold medals. It's been a long journey coming here. It's now like I don't want to talk about COVID because we're obviously so sick and tired of hearing it. But I feel that it puts us in a position where uh, we need to pack our backpacks uh, the best way we can and uh, prepare us. And we definitely like had... Uh, another way of thinking before COVID where we would be at this point. But we actually think that there's so many things that we still need to work on this year. Uh, So right now we're very focused to just learn from every game and every single chance we have out uh, on great ice and arenas and um, Olympic Games, even though it's very close, uh, we're staying in the now and in the moment and being very present right here, right now, and just focus on getting better for every shot, every game. And uh, when we get to Olympics, we feel hopeful uh, that the backpack will be packed and uh, we're ready to go. And we, we know we can win it. So we definitely are there to make, do our very best. End of December and, and through January, your training regimen um, what you're going to do training-wise versus on ice. Obviously, you would have a, a plan of how to peak at the exact right time. So I think what most important is to compete ourselves into shape. Uh, compete at the Grand Slam here. Uh, it's a big part of becoming that team we want to be in February. So uh, in December and uh, January, uh, leading up our last tournament before Olympics, will be here at the Grand Slam. And then also December will be an important month uh, for us to get in physical shape because there will be a lot of games and a big time difference. So December December, focusing on uh, being in good shape physically, and uh, in January, just uh, peak and get better. So in, in, in Inside Curling, we get a lot of messages from young athletes wondering what is the top players, and you being arguably the strongest sweeper in the game, what does your training regimen look like, your training schedule to be a top front-end player? Because Anna just said how trying it is, how many games in a row in one week, and at the end, you've got to be just as strong as the start. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now at this point, when we are full-time curlers, uh, we have the opportunity to to be able to to like put up the perfect schedule with a lot of curling practices and a lot of physical training. I would say like a week at home when I'm going away, like the next couple of weeks for for curling. Uh, then I would go like four sessions with strength in the gym, and then do like three interval sessions with like conditioning training. And also like five or six sessions on ice. That's like a normal in one, week. In one week? Yes, yes. in one week. <laughs> okay, so hang so on. So that Let's, is a normal week. <laughs> time, time, time. Okay, Monday morning. Yes. Monday morning, you get up. I get up. I leave my kid at school. And then I go to the rink with Anna. And we are like one and a half hours on ice. And I should also mention we're making our own ice. Yes. So we're making the ice. And we take a lot of time on doing that because we want to uh, like make good conditions with the uh, to train train on uh, so we make our own ice and we practice for like an hour and a half and then we have lunch and then we go to our like gym facility where we do our intervals and then we uh, just have like a snack and then we do the uh, strength training after and then we're done at like four and I go and pick my kid up <laughs> so that's the day yeah so it's like a, a not, an, yeah like an eight to five work yeah <laughs> yeah okay so that's how you become arguably the best sweeper in the game. Okay, that makes sense to me. So I, I would like to talk to you a little bit more because Karik brought up a good point about your sweeping. And 
I, I don't want to get out of school too far here, but he feels that in the women's game, carving isn't a great factor other than he named a couple of names, but you first. Uh, so I'd like to hear your thoughts on in the female game, carving. So we've been talking a lot about this in our team and been trying, like testing a lot. Uh, and uh, obviously, like I have a little bit more weight than Sophia has. Like Sophia, she's so good at getting like a lot of friction, but I'm good at like putting a lot of my weight on the broom. Uh, so if you believe in the carving, uh, then that would uh, be like making scratches in the ice. And obviously, if you can put more kilos on the broom, uh, then you're going to make more scratches. And Sophia has to be mentioned here because uh, she has, like, she's a small person, but she's uh, above 75% of her body weight uh, on a broom. So she can put uh, 75% of her body weight of her into total. of her total to the broom. Like to the so, push of the To the push right. of the broom. Right. So the push out. So I would see like that is like a very high number. So it's. So almost no weight is on her feet. Exactly. So it's almost like the only thing that's hol- holding her, her up is 25%. We talked on the podcast when you came on and you threw Agnes under the bus a bit <laughs> because this is years ago when you guys were kids. But Anna, <laughs> know, said, Anna. Anna said that it was your idea to bring the pizza into the hot tub. It might have been my idea to like order it to the backyard. And then when the guy came with the pizza, we were like, can you please deliver it here? Because we were obviously having, having a nice time there. But that's how Agnes works, though. Like, we were now in Switzerland, and we were in the pool, and she made the server come down to the pool again. So I'm not... Did that pizza end up up in the uh, pool? It was drinks this time. (laughs) Yeah, that was only drinks, yeah. We had a a day off. We were celebrating and had a good day. So uh, so Agnes just gets uh, her way. (laughs) <laughs> a way of making my, my will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we, uh, you've been very outspoken about the three potential rule changes with the WCF lately. I uh, want to ask you each one individually and your thoughts on it. Uh, no tick zone. So the no tick zone, our team is not against in uh, per se. Like we are just thinking this. For the first of all, we don't think you try three new rules at the World Championship. That is a lack of respect to the players and everyone involved. It's not a lesser championship just because it's after the Olympics. So uh, we would love to test out uh, those kind of rules, but not at the World Championships. So, but the no-tick zone, uh, I think it's interesting. Um, I think we should try more things to it. Uh, Maybe, for example, like uh, create a smaller area. I think it's a... A too big of a reward. Uh, just like anywhere be, on the center line. Anywhere too, on right. the center line. So you can be off in like meters uh, and still not be able to touch it. So we were just uh, throwing it out there. Maybe have like, uh, a bu- like a big pin on the center line and a big pin like uh, a little bit higher up. So you get two positions, uh, like two perfect positions, but you got to touch them. Uh, or maybe making it even more interesting, make uh, an area where you can fit two rocks in. And let's see, should we play two rocks in that very tight area? Or should we play one rock there and then put one rock up in the, like where you could take it? So I think there's so many things that you could try out. Um, and uh, I'm not like against the no tick zone, like just straight no. I just think it's rushed to just try it at the World Championship and 
the big reward of just be able to put it on the center line. I should I think it should be a little bit tougher because that's how good our leads are. We we have obviously been talking a lot about this uh, and we have been like discussing different options to to add to it like because we're we're not negative like we it's hard it's you could you could just say like no to changes but we are we're not no sayers like we we love trying new things as well uh it's just like it's the timing we want to give every every new rule like a really like a good time to develop and and be better and like anna said uh, trying it at the world championship is we feel is a lack of respect because because that is an important uh, competition for us uh, that is one of our biggest goals this season as well yeah and confusing for the fans who just watched the olympics a couple of weeks ago and then all of a sudden the teams are playing different so doesn't make sense agnes four minute in, or i shouldn't say four minutes that's not true four minutes for the first half four minute and 15 seconds for the second half uh, your thoughts on on that yeah so this is a rule that we don't like at all like not at all <laughs> we don't even want to find a twist to it uh, we think that this will like change the pace of the game in the way that teams might like they might play even simpler to be able to like uh to keep the time for the the last couple of rocks and would which would make the game more boring for the spectators i think one of the things in curling is to be able to run the game really really fast when you want to uh and take time when you want to and that is a part of uh, being a good team and i think that communication is one of the big thing in our sport communication and how we talk to each other and for what we hear for fans uh, that is what they love to watch uh, and i feel four minutes per end is being rushed uh, and still it's more time in total <laughs> it's uh, so we we have less than 40 minutes now uh, so they wanted to give us more time but get uh, ha- have it more rushed so it doesn't make sense in my ears at all uh, and i think uh, we will see misses uh, coming out from lack of uh, hurrying l- hurrying yeah sure, sure. and then there's another big factor that no one has even like said and that is like at the world championships we have volunteers that doing the time timer and uh, it's very common that sometimes it happens that you lose 10 seconds here and there because uh, the timers there was something confusing something doing wrong and they're new at their job and stuff like that but the thing is when you have a time in total you have time to correct that because you have the coach says hey uh, you lost 10 seconds there and you're like oh yeah yeah the time says yes i know uh, i will uh, i will make sure the clock doesn't run and i will add but now you lose 10 seconds that could be the game <laughs> like where will we have that room for error uh, and then if you have four minutes and all of a sudden uh, me who's throwing last uh, loses 15 seconds because there was some timing difference there will be so many signs go up like uh, time clocks oh no you oh you kicked out for this oh no that's hurry like it's um it's you put in one more risk uh, into the game that the players can't control and that will n- not be good for players and not be good for TV. And also just like uh, the players love seeing a skip make a great shot to close an end. Like that is like you want to see what happens with the end so you want to watch the, the skip's great shot. Uh, and if it, if it's going to be rushed every end uh, to, to like get a good communication and to talk about how you want to throw the rock and everything and uh, then you might miss. So it's going to be create more misses and the crowd loves to see great shots being made. Uh, 
no extra ends, but there's more to it than no extra ends because there's actually instead of a win-loss, two choices, there'll be four choices, uh, three, two points for a, a draw win, one point for a draw loss, and then zero, of course, if you, you're straight loss. Um, so not just no extra ends, but also a different complete point system that I don't think curling's ever had before. Uh, Anna? No. Well, I'm laughing because I think uh, when you're just saying it, you hear how stupid it is. <laughs> Sorry, but yes. And so um, in curling, uh, we play to win. Uh, and uh, I think that it changes so many aspects of the game. It feels like for me and the team, uh, we have said this in a letter to, in, to the Athlete Commission. So there's, uh, we are open with our opinions here. And I f we feel that... This is such a big impact of our sport uh, because it will change the way you skip the game like big time. Because coming home being too up, it's not a good position to be in anymore. And if you play the whole game to come, uh, come to the last end being too up, that is a great position to be in. Like even though with a five rock rule, you can control the end and only lose a two. And then you have hammering the extra end good to go that's perfect like you played a great end like played a great game and you have controlled ends coming home with a lead but now you can't play it that way uh because uh being too up is uh you risk of losing the uh, like losing the game or get less points just because you came home with hammer uh, without hammer so uh with that said uh i think you um create you will create an even bigger situation where you have even an odd ends play so you will see teams playing super hard to blank uh, the odd ends and go pretty hard in the, in the even ends. So uh, creating that kind of thing when they want to see more aggressive curling, they, you're probably creating the opposite because you will see odd even ends play all the time. So I think it's dangerous for our game and I think... Um, I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to fit into a window of TV. But I think, I think we should be proud of our sport and know that the fans love the game. We love the game. So if we play the game we love, fans will come to us. Uh, so I think we just own up and say, TV will have us. Look at the Grand Slam. Look at the Sportsnet. You have had great ratings uh, for your game. And, uh, uh, and I also think that and the hammer in the first end uh, will be even more important, uh, which makes that something a big part. It's already important, but some, uh, but the, like a big part of the game will be uh, concluded before the camera turns on. Uh, the draw to the button to yes, start. Yes, exactly. yes, and uh, uh, and then you have this heated battle where like you throw eight great rocks, everyone is sweeping, everything is like uh, one is screaming for the line, like this heated moment. And then, huh, now we're drawing for the game like an open house, like uh, the skip, the vice skip will just stand there. There's no line call. It's um, I don't know. I think that you lose you lose that heat and passion and uh, and curling and sports is about winning uh, for players. And in addition to that, like if you're in an, in a good position, uh, then you're probably being the, the team that are hitting a little bit more, like uh, being a little bit more defensive. And all, and then all of a sudden, if the uh, the team coming from from under, if they're like scoring and it 
and it goes to a draw to the button to, to decide the game, then for being the team in a good position, you're not, since you haven't played as many draws as they have. So that is also something to, to yeah. take with us here. And one last thing is too. <laughs> one, uh, we have many opinions about this. <laughs> but one, uh, one thing, like on the women's side, it's very close. Uh, like any team in the world can beat anyone at the World Championships. Uh, but there's still some top teams that should beat some uh, lesser teams. But now when the teams that maybe are like uh, a little bit closer to bottom, they can really aim for a tie. So the round robins could be much messier. And then again, the LSD will create an even bigger impact again. So then you can have uh, rankings going to the Olympics decided on LSD. Let's get to a happier topic. <laughs> but, at <laughs> is, just, <laughs> but at least we're constructing. But at least we're constructing, right? You, you are, and yes, and, uh, and heartfelt. Um, so I, I want to ask you about Wayne Madaw. I want, uh, and the role of, not just Wayne, but the role of a coach in today's modern curling. I get that a lot from young people. Agnes, the, the job of the coach on your team. So Wayne, we brought him in because we wanted to, to get better at everything and he has a lot of experience. Uh, and we, we really want to get better at the strategics and like uh, turn the screws a little bit. Uh, and we think that he has a very good way of doing that and like not, not telling us what to do, but like, um, doing it together with us and creating good discussions. And we actually didn't know when we, uh, when we first uh, got in contact with him, we just like signed up for one competition and we didn't know how it would be. So it was, was just a tryout. Like we didn't even talk about doing anything for the future. Uh, but we felt that it was a perfect match uh, because we really thought he brought really great stuff to the team. Um, and he's not only talking about the strategics, he's like looking at other teams, looking at the men's teams. Uh, we're talking about the sweeping and trying, trying new things. He's, um, he's a great like objective perspective for us. Well, thank you very much, you guys. That was awesome. Thank you for taking your time. Appreciate it. Thank you for letting us uh, speak about the roots. We weren't really clear. <laughs> <laughs> Should we take it again? <laughs> So there we go. Two of the future leaders, like I said, outspoken. Uh, they don't, they don't, I don't think they like any rule change. And a lot of interesting stuff they said there. The least of which is the WCF is out of their mind to try and trial all these, uh, rule changes at important events. Uh, Warren, what'd you think? What you heard there? Well, I thought they said a lot of interesting things at the start of the interview, very interesting things they had to say about their training programs. And I think particularly Agnes, who's one of the best female sweepers, as to sort of how they do their whole sweeping routine and what she thought about the actual ability for them to carve. So that was interesting. But I thought, again, the most uh, challenging points that they brought forward were to do with the new WCF rules. And it's kind of interesting. It's a player's take on it, which often doesn't see the whole picture. But I thought there was a couple of interesting things they said. One was they agreed with the no-tick rule, but thought it should be made a little bit different. And the fact that rather than allowing you to be able to a tick rock on the center line anywhere, 
from the hog line to the house that couldn't be touched. They thought a couple of specific spots, maybe, or one specific spot. So maybe for a couple of feet, if the stone touched that portion, then you couldn't take it off. I thought that was interesting. And again, it's something I thought of a couple of years ago when this discussion first was taking place about the tick shot. So Kevin, what do you think of that idea? I thought it made sense to have an actual exacting spot the team has to hit to get the no tick. I'm interested in seeing the no tick rule during the world championship. I'm not against trying things. I, I, I'm kind of with the, the World Curling Federation on, on these rules. And they're not rule changes, like they're potential rule changes. I think that's important to note. They're all being tested. But Anna made a good point where you, you need to earn the no tick area. So kind of interesting. Uh, and that could be an evolutionary change if they decide to go. I kind of think the no tick zone makes a lot of sense in some form or fashion going forward. So uh, having the trial on that makes a lot of sense to me. There's another interesting discussion she got into was with regard to the no extra ends. And I thought the one comment was rather hmm, interesting. So she thought it wouldn't be as entertaining for the fans because she gave an example. If we were up to going home, we'd probably play in such a manner that we didn't give up more than two. And so we'd know we'd go in the extra end and have last rock. And of course, we all know today that they have about an 85% chance of winning if that were the case. But quite frankly, I think it would be the other way around. If you were two up going home and you know there's no extra end, you're going to have to probably try and score that end. And so I thought it's going to probably make that final end far more entertaining than it would the way it currently is, which is my take on it. But what do you think, Evan? Well, there's two different ways, I guess. If it's late in the round, Robin, you could look at the at the standings and figure out, can you afford one point, two points, or do you need three points? That's kind of the fun part about that idea of having four potential outcomes from zero, one, two, and three, and that probably would indicate to yourself, okay, well, we need to gamble here. We need the three points. Or, you know what? I'm tied with this other team. They just lost. So actually, all I need is one point here. So all I need is to hold them to two, and even if I don't win the the draw of the button, I'm in the playoffs. So there's more scenarios possible. It's not always going to be you'll gamble. It's not always that you're going to play defensive. You're going to look at the at the standings board and maybe late in the round robin adjust your strategies accordingly, which is I kind of think is interesting. And you're going to have fans while they're in the crowd on their cell phones looking at the standings, <laughs> thinking, oh, you know, that's why they're doing this or that because of such and such, because of where they stand. They, they need two points or one point behind Finland. And to make the playoffs, they need to jump over Finland. So they need at least two points here. Well, it might be a little more aggressive then because you don't want to be all defensive in the eighth, give up two, and now you got to draw the button and you haven't drawn for an hour. So it's all of those scenarios and make it really fun for, for us in the broadcast booth to explain all this stuff. So I kind of think it's exciting. And I know Anna doesn't like it, and that's okay. Um, she's a super smart person. Great. And you know what? I interviewed a lot of teams, not just Anna Hasselborg and Agnes Nockenhauer, but a lot of teams across the board. And uh, it was not consistent by any means, uh, everybody's feelings. It was all over the board. So uh, over the next while, uh, everybody <laughs> listening and listening in to Inside Curling is going to get to enjoy a lot of comments from a lot of the very best curlers in the world as to what they think about these rule changes and many other things. So it was, it was just a really fun couple of days. They were very adamant about having nothing to do with changing the timing uh, from an overall 33-minute thinking time to this 4-minute, 4 4.15 thing. They, they want nothing to do with it. And I got to admit, Kevin, 
what one of their points was it, it it leaves you open to mistakes with with timers who are new and volunteers and the other one it takes away from the game because of you you do need some thinking time uh i love what you especially when you guys are broadcasting kev i love it when you guys don't talk and you can hear the players discussing uh you know the next shot particularly at the end of an end and that happened last night in the sixth end with the cooey gushu match they had a real chess game going on there you know we got to hear them while they were standing down doing it. so i kind of agree with them that that you you're going to take away a lot from the experience actually of the fan watching it well that's one thing we can't lose now you know we'll keep an open mind when this is being tested but anna's right we can't lose that where you've got in, in the case of of uh, ben hebert john morris and kevin cooey three of the, the the brightest minds in our sport talking about a strategic situation it's it's compelling it's wonderful you know, so you don't want to lose that. We have to have enough time per end so the top players can have those discussions. Is four minutes enough? I don't know the answer to that. That, But it has to be tested. I don't think you want to not test things because you're worried about something. But uh, Anna's right. We, we, we cannot take that away from the game. Well, thanks again, uh, everybody, for listening and tuning into our special edition. We're going to we're gonna be doing lots of these. Uh, and, you know, curling's underway. Um, we want to thank our sponsors, Sports Interaction, Coyote Tractor, Goldline, Nestle Boost, and Meridian uh, for bringing you great events uh, that are going to happen from, from now forward. Uh, Kev, you're not going to be home for about, I don't know, six and a half years now that the curling started. If you want to get a hold of us, drop us an email, insidecurling at gmail.com, and you can check out our Facebook uh, group, which is very active. Uh, thanks a lot to Rod Paulson for looking after a bunch of that. Just a reminder, if you want to watch curling this week, Sportsnet. And Sportsnet Now is where you're going to go to check out all the events. Who do you think is going to win this thing, Kevin? I predicted Brad Jacobs earlier in the week. I'm not really betting against myself on that one. But, boy, it's hard to, to not look at Mowat as a favorite. On the women's side, Rachel Holman is really, really curling well. I think she'll have a really good chance. I think I agree with Kevin on the uh, men's side. Mowat, those guys are going to be hard to beat all through this year. They're going to, If they don't win, they're going to be very close. I think we have to look at it. He just won a, an event in Penticton, and he had a little bit of a hiccup yesterday, but he's going to be right in there and close as uh, probably Gushu, Butcher, and, and Cooey. So I look at Moat, maybe Aden to be the ones in the end. On the women's side, uh, certainly I look at Terrazoni. They came through the A side. They're playing well. And I still look at Peterson. She had a little bit of a hiccup against Holman. Otherwise, they were in control of that game. And I would uh, think they'll be close. Again, coming off that Calgary event, they were into the finals. So I, I think that uh, Terrazoni and Peterson could be two to watch. Since you didn't pick your own son, Kevin, I'll pick him. The Botcher team, okay? <laughs> you get going, Kevin. Uh, stay tuned for more uh, special editions of Inside Curling. Of course, we come at you each and every week with our regular show. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, again, uh, go to insidecurling at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And enjoy the Masters, uh, this weekend on Sportsnet and Sportsnet Now. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jim.